In a distant land, a great tree stood tall and proud. It was the centerpiece of the forest, and all the other trees looked up to it with great admiration. The tree's roots represented the business, the foundation upon which the branches and leaves stood. The branches represented the developers, enabling the tree to grow and reach new heights. They were responsible for the functionality and strength. The leaves represented the designers. They were beautiful shapes and colors and gently led the tree to expand in new directions so it could thrive. Unfortunately, the roots, branches, and leaves were often at odds with one another. The leaves sought to continually reach out in new directions, which the branches found impractical and unsustainable. With rapid growth, the roots often had to decide whether to dig deep for nutrients and water or to spread wide for stability. As a result, the tree struggled to thrive. It was often weak and unhealthy, and many of its leaves would fall off. One day, the roots, branches, and leaves decided to have a candid conversation about their relationship. They talked about their challenges and frustrations and found that they all had the same goal, to make the tree the best it could be. With this newfound understanding and appreciation for one another, the roots, branches, and leaves worked more effectively. They learned to communicate more clearly and regularly and to respect and value each other's roles and contributions. Unexpectedly, the tree bore a plentiful amount of exotic fruit. The ripe, sweet smell wafted through the forest, attracting animals far and wide. The tree was no longer a collection of parts, but a single entity that could bring joy and pleasure to others without saying a word. In the end, their hard work paid off. The tree was strong and healthy and the envy of the forest. The roots, branches, and leaves learned that by supporting one another, they were a beautiful tree that bore delicious fruit. Welcome to the Beautiful Ones and Zeros podcast. And now, your host, Ian. Episode 1. Ways to make design plus dev plus business teams functional and happy. The impetus and goal of this article and podcast. Having worked in a large IT organization for many years, I've had plenty of face-palming and head-to-wall-banging moments stemming from differing goals, miscommunication, and inefficiency. However, I have also experienced relationships, processes, and outcomes that are uplifting and inspiring. We'll zoom into what happened between the roots, branches, and leaves, and how the tree became the admired centerpiece of the forest. The goal here is to shed light on common multidisciplinary team issues and offer tangible, proven solutions, as well as a few that are experimental, and I completely made up. I hope that at least one team can glean insights to become a functional, happy, healthy, tall, and fruit-bearing tree. Brief terminology level setting. I know term definition is boring and slows things down, but I believe operating from a mutual understanding of definitions is the key to effective communication. What I mean by team. Sometimes teams are physical and evident, like in sports, but the cross-discipline digital world is a much different place. I'll refer to teams in two contexts. 
One, craft teams, a group of people with a shared craft under a boss, such as software engineers or designers. Some places may have multidisciplinary reporting teams, but for the sake of simplicity, I'll use craft team as a reference to those who perform the same job. Two, project teams, a group of people across different disciplines that create and enhance a product for consumers. Other terms could be application development team, application team, execution team, delivery team, or business team. An extension of the core team may include peripheral advisory relationships like legal, content writers, accessibility, or testing. What project teams create? We'll focus on project teams designing, building, and releasing digital applications. Applications provide capabilities such as buying a car, transferring money between people, creating health records, or purchasing products. How teams operate. There are project management techniques such as 1. Seat of the pants. Do whatever, whenever, without formal management. Example. A chaotic weekend of doing chores, watching kids, going back to the grocery store for the third time because you forgot great Aunt Dorothy's anniversary card. 2. Waterfall. Work in a predictable, linear fashion over a longer timeline. Example, building a house with blueprints, permits, plumbing, foundation, framing, etc. 3. Agile. Work in predictable two-week sprints. Example, vigilantly adhering to that honeydew list and getting things done like a new faucet installed consistently, thus impressing the spouse. 4. Kanban. Pull work off a queue and ready. Example, busting through a pile of laundry during that work training video. Work can be from the ground up, meaning the app doesn't exist, or in a continuous stream. The main reason for bringing this up is that most of what I'm referring to here relates to teams utilizing Agile or some variant. Some issues outlined are inherently a side effect of how Agile operates, namely some requirements gaps. There's a good time and place for each project methodology. I'll leave it there, but we'll spell it out more in the epilogue. How to interpret my perspective. The final bit of housekeeping I'd like to get out of the way before getting to the main content is perspective. My opinions are based on many years of experience in a large professional IT environment. Being opinionated does not mean I think these are the best or only solutions. I am open to and okay with the fact that I might be wrong. My suggestions are a palette of considerations. While I interface with many project teams, I still have a limited and myopic perspective. I liken this to seeing one side of a Rubik's Cube versus a corner view. A slight shift in perspective can reveal that something considered two-dimensional is actually three. Without further ado, the main content. Issues with cross-discipline teams with proposed solutions. Issue one, teams are individual stakeholders with different goals. Imagine a veterinarian, a chef, and an aerospace engineer that need to work together to make food for pets in space on the way to Mars. They also meet with business, lawyers, marketing, logistics, etc. What they care about is going to be vastly different. Example goals for the food. Engineer, survive in space. Chef, delicious. Veterinarian, healthy. Business, cost effective. Lawyers, safe and a bunch of printed disclaimers. Marketing, look delicious. Logistics, compact. Observation. Differing goals lead to conflict and poor output. In the digital world, the same often mutually exclusive goals exist. There can be a complicated tension between one's personal goals, craft organizational goals, and business goals. Craft organization goals in dev and design are often entirely independent from business goals. For instance, 
prioritizing playing guitar or working out more doesn't change my obligation or my wife's expectation for me to be a good husband and father. My self-care priorities may indirectly support my obligations by being less stressed and more clear-minded. However, I shouldn't expect my wife or kids to extrapolate that. Similarly, dev and design organizations need to navigate supporting their own goals, which they believe will ultimately help the business and customers, while being able to meet their direct obligations to the business. Design, dev, and business all want to do the right thing for the customer, but have different ideas and priorities for how to accomplish that. The leaves may want more branches for new leaves. The trunk may want more stability from the roots. And the roots may want the leaves to stop blocking the rain from getting to the soil. Here are some hypothetical goal discrepancy examples to help illustrate the point further. Example 1. Designer. Personal goal. Grow in product design to widen overall skill set. Their design org goal. Utilize the design language system as much as possible for consistent user experiences. Business teammate goal. Create super flashy new experience like on competitor's site to stay relevant and competitive. Result? Copying a competitor's site without evolving the product doesn't satisfy the designer's personal goal. Creating something one-off is against the design or goal of producing consistent experiences with the design system. The end product release is a tense series of escalations and compromises with a mishmashed amalgamation of custom and design system components. Neither the business nor design is happy. Example 2. Developer. Personal goal. Learn and use the latest industry tech to stay relevant, competitive, and challenged. Their developer org goal. Get all experiences to zero production defects because member satisfaction rates are low with broken apps. Business teammate goal. Get new features out the door ASAP because the MVP, minimum viable product, release is getting bad satisfaction reviews. Result? The business goal of new features does not include budget or scope for defect management, let alone a platform overhaul, thus neglecting the developer's personal and org goals. Focusing on business goals leaves the developer working late hours to accomplish his dev organization and business goals, neither of which he feels proud. Example 3. Product Owner Personal goal. Evolve the product to be innovative. Their business org goal. Only work on compliance issues. Design teammate goal evolve the product to be innovative. Result? Even though the business and design teammates are on the same page about innovating, the higher level business execs are forcing no nonsense compliance updates for the next two years, making everyone miserable. These goal discrepancies help contribute to the high degree of attrition in the design and dev spaces. Solution. Make an agreed upon list of team values and priorities and use it to make decisions. An architect colleague introduced me to the even overstatement strategy, which is a real game changer and can effectively stop churn. If you don't want to read the linked article or get fancy with it, it's a list of priorities you can use to help make decisions. The space dog food example could have resulted in priorities. One, survive in space. Two, lightweight. Three, compact. Four, cost effective. Five, safe. Six, printed disclaimers. Seven, healthy. Eight, delicious. Nine, look delicious. This list makes it clear that the food isn't going to be gourmet or highly marketable. Being the only space food in the market means that animals don't have much of a choice once they leave Earth. These priorities can be internal or external to the team. For example, an internal priority is system modernization, whereas an external priority is a quality user experience. The following is not an exhaustive list, but illustrates some potential considerations internal and external to the team. Would your team agree upon the priority of the following? 
minimum viable product release, new features, cost, code quality, accessibility, performance, quality user experience, unit functional testing, pipeline optimization, tooling enhancements, reusability, scalability, documentation, <sighs> internal marketing, communication, process improvements, release cadence, decreased third-party resources, dev dependencies up to date. It may be challenging to create a priority list, but once you do, it prevents the implicit competing priority song and dance in decision gridlock. Priority lists provide the ability to agree to disagree when the list is made, not at every fork in the road. It can be tolerable to work on something more mundane if you expect it up front. But unfortunately, what often happens is there are high expectations for a project outcome based upon personal and craft organization goals. As a result, the project crashes with pure frustration, anger, and resentment six months later. I've worked on many business applications spending months going around in circles. I believe it's because we were operating from different assumptions, motivators, and priorities. My current team implemented this prioritization list and decision-making method at the outset of our latest product instantiation. Then, each time we got in the spin zone, we looked back at our prioritization matrix and the decision was quite clear. An example is when we were deciding whether or not to make our UI infrastructure backward compatible with our legacy infrastructure. In short, people can keep most of their old code, but pull it in from somewhere new to get the new look and feel. Backward compatibility is like using an old USB brick wall charger with a new device using a different cord. So how did we make this decision on this pricey investment? Our number one priority was make adoption as easy as possible for consumers. We could have spent days or weeks churning over that, but the decision was almost instant because we had our priorities in order and collectively knew what to do. Issue two, teams aren't made up of the right people. Observation, some teams have too many people. One of the most significant issues I've seen is having too many people on a project. Years ago, I was on a project with employees, a third-party team in India, and a third-party team in Mexico. The project was behind, and management was looking to solve the problem, by adding more and more developers. Instead of employees doing substantive code, we spent most of our days undoing broken merged in code and syncing at odd hours. It was frustrating, slow, and had horrible output. Nobody was happy. Observation, some teams have missing roles. The opposite can be true. I've seen plenty of instances where there are little understood or valued jobs. Examples include product owner, UI UX producer, tester, functional analyst, scrum master, agile coach, and accessibility advisor. I'm not suggesting that every team needs these roles, but it's always worth considering. An example is a project manager and scrum master. A project manager does resource management, estimates, and process work. A scrum master facilitates daily stand-ups, helps keep everyone focused, and removes blockers. It's likely not a perfect or complete description of these jobs, but it'll have to suffice for this example. In my experience, many scrum masters are extroverted and have a no-nonsense attitude. For example, if someone in the building is a blocker, the scrum master will walk over to the offender's desk and stay there till the issue is resolved. Teams often roll these two jobs into one and call it a day. But if the project manager is introverted or has too many projects, the team will accumulate blockers and slow down. Working on a project with an excellent, no-nonsense scrum master followed by a project with a strap project manager will shed light on the value of a scrum master. Another example is product owner. I'm a huge fan of packaging work as a product. A product owner will help ensure a vision and strategy for the product and manage the way to get there by slicing and dicing work into predictable chunks with measurable outcomes. 
Unfortunately, many service or advisory groups don't have a product owner, which means they can do a great deal of work, but never get anywhere predictable or feel satisfied with their output. The point is, many people accept how their teams are without questioning the composition. For example, what would a basketball team do if they operated this way? Even if the team is exceptionally talented, like a team of all Michael Jordans, success is only possible with diverse skills and roles. Work teams may operate a certain way because that's how they operated on the last project. Some teams may be aware of missing positions, but could have trouble filling them. Solution. Continuously reevaluate team roles and responsibilities and change as needed. The project I referred to with dozens of developers, including onshore India and Mexico, was a last straw for my former IT manager. He told his VP he wanted to experiment with a new development model with fewer devs. We had a tech lead, two employee devs, and two of the best third-party developers from India sitting right next to us. That's it. We had an engaging in-person work environment with frequent shuffleboard games and occasionally grabbed a beer after work. We were fast, efficient, dug the app out of technical debt, and made a solid user experience. But most importantly, we were happy, which motivated us to continue working hard with high-quality output. Disciplines like design and development are broader than most people realize. For example, design covers content writing, conversational design, wireframing, pixel pushing, information architecture, user testing, human-centered design, ethnographic studies, prototyping, archetype persona creation, and more. People often think of design as making things pretty with some pixels, but that's just the top of the tip of the iceberg. Every project will need different aspects of each discipline. For example, you don't need a UI component designer if you're creating a flow with a 100% stock design system components. Write the skills required for the team in a spreadsheet, then see where there are gaps or overlaps. Having the desired skills list is also helpful for craft teams when hiring. A team could have a strong candidate that duplicates skills and leaves gaps wide open. For instance, you could have found an excellent candidate with a PhD in computer science from Harvard, the most awesome GitHub projects with 5,000 stars and 2,000 forks, 50,000 Twitter followers, and interned at Google. But this candidate is not the best at articulating themselves concisely or at an appropriate level for most audiences. The problem is that your team needs someone to interface with the dev community and write excellent documentation. Skill gaps could be an easy oversight if a team skills spreadsheet doesn't exist. By focusing on skills and behavioral attributes when hiring, you can get what you need and not worry as much about the level. For example, if a candidate fresh out of college fills the gaps you are looking to fill with your senior level role, why not hire them and forget about the level? On a project team, think hard about the roles and skills needed. Do you need a tester? If you have a five-page app, probably not. If you have a complex mortgage or health system with thousands of permutations, maybe you do. Do you need a UX producer, someone who works with the business to map requirements to user experience, among other things? If you're reskinning the app, maybe not. If you're building one from scratch, you probably do. The point is, it's worth that conversation every time. It's also essential to figure out the right way to assign people to teams. I'm not a fan of too much multitasking slash multi-project work, but for roles like Scrum Master, they'd probably be twiddling their thumbs most of the day with just one project. Just because a job for a project may not take all day doesn't mean it's unnecessary or that it should roll into someone else's other duties as assigned. This type of resource management is not easy, but it is a worthwhile investment because it enables clarity and focus for each teammate. Solution. 
Be the catalyst for team change by speaking up. The final point I'd like to make on team composition and pretty much anything else at work is that it's your job to speak up if things are out of balance. Many people assume that since things are a certain way, it's supposed to be that way. Your project manager isn't in the weeds of your day-to-day and will likely not know how things could improve. In the example of too many people working on a project, my IT resource manager spoke up and got the change, not the project manager. Issue three, teams lack connectedness. Observation, even if people know who their teammates are, it's often not on a personal level. Some meetings feel like an awkward large family dinner where you can feel the tension in the air, even over Zoom. Your team doesn't need to be your family, but that doesn't mean you can't be tight knit. It's often a tricky balance. Some people don't want work honey badgering into their personal lives, but at the same time, many want to feel valued and understood. At the beginning of my career, I thought personal banter and relationships at work were a waste of time and distractions from solving actual problems. Now I'm in the opposite camp realizing how critically important those relationships are. Solution, creatively foster camaraderie, but don't overdo it. There's a book called The Culture Code, which I highly recommend. Spoiler alert. The rest of this paragraph gives a small example. I used to think Greg Popovich was a grumpy man because he frequently yelled at the players, but he pours enormous energy into relationships, including frequent dinners of food and wine. This way, when the going gets tough, he can yell at players in the face with veins about to burst, and they don't take it personally. Since I did a spoiler, I'll, I'll double down. In Top Gun Maverick, there's a terrific scene where Tom Cruise is trying to figure out how to cram training into students who are all very competitive and not getting along. He could have ratcheted up the discipline to deal with the situation. Instead, he opted to take him out to play football on the beach to the bewilderment of his superiors. Well, that's great, Ian, but how does this apply to the real digital world? Solution. Integrate team building into rituals. Our team is solid with predictable, agile rituals. One of those rituals is a bi-weekly sprint retrospective. For those unfamiliar, a retrospective is part of an agile process in which you look at what you did over the last few weeks what worked well, what didn't, and what you're going to approve next time. After a few years of doing this, teams will be light years ahead of where they were before implementing this simple practice. So what does this have to do with the team's lack connectedness? Well, my product owner took the stock agile, what went well, what didn't, what can be improved, and spiced it up with kudos and a single random question like, say, what was your first job or what's the best fast food place? While it may seem trivial, those are critically important. Kudos make people feel appreciated. Appreciation is foundational to accepting improvement feedback, feeling valued, and staying motivated. The random question is palatable for antisocial people and an excellent way to help slowly develop bonds over time. Solution. Create optional larger team building activities. We have an hour-long forced family fun at the end of the day after our sprint retro, which is optional team banter. It has most of the team's attendance and feels mostly fluid. There's no judgment or hard feelings for busy people who can't make it if that kind of socialization is just not their cup of tea. Optional in-person events like go-karting, escape room adventures, and the like are also great. But if people don't want to go, don't make them go. These are great ways to balance people feeling engaged and cared for while ensuring work doesn't Kool-Aid man into their personal space. Issue 4. Teammates speak different languages. Part of the lack of connectedness issue just discussed is that people often don't understand specific terminology used by one another, or sometimes they think they do, but don't. For example, 
I remember when I was learning Spanish, I was trying to say, I'm embarrassed, and said, estoy embarazada, which translates to, I'm pregnant. Observation. Each discipline has its jargon. One of the most challenging issues in interpersonal relationships and society in general is that while words sound the same, they mean different things to different people based upon their upbringing, education, and life experiences. Hence the boring definition preamble at the beginning of this article to establish common ground. Here are a few words related to different disciplines off the top of my head. Design. UI, UX, Figma, Sketch, Sketch, Wireframe, Mockup, Comp, Prototype, Template, Archetype, Persona, HCD, Design Thinking, Usability, Accessibility. Related to Dev. GitHub, GitLab, Git, Repo, Package, Module, App, Widget, Template, Platform, Infrastructure, Frontend, Backend, Business Services, API, React, JavaScript, CSS, SAS, Webpack, Transpile. Related to Business. Vision, Strategy, Roadmap, Tactics, Execution, PI, Story, Feature, Task, CBA, Value, Metrics. Okay, if you got people into a room, do you think they'd all be able to define those the same way? Using the wrong terminology can mean that people leave meetings with the same agreements and completely different expectations. Observation. The misinterpretation of words leads to unexpected outcomes. Here's an example scenario. Meeting one. Designer. I'll sketch out the page for you by the end of the day tomorrow. Developer. Okay, I can get a prototype together by the end of the week. Business. Awesome. You can have the add cowbell to checkout page feature for review on Monday. All agreed. Meeting two. Grumpy developer. The designer didn't get me the sketch files they promised and, and I needed specs. Grumpy designer. I said sketch like whiteboard, sketch it out, and you don't need full comps to start coding anyway. Annoyed business. Okay, so design. Can you work with the dev and get it ready for review on Friday? All agreed. Meeting three. Triumphant devs. Uh, we pulled some late nighters, but we're able to get the prototype ready. Excited business. Cool, let's see it. Review happens. Business. Okay, so we're, we're ready to ship? Devs. What? No, this is a prototype. We, we still need to write unit tests, do accessibility testing, refactor, architect the components, and do API integration. Business. What? I thought we were done. How long does it take? Devs. Probably another PI. Three months. Business face palms. This contrived example shows how sketch and sketch meant different things. Words have implicit scope. For instance, capital S sketch was interpreted as high fidelity comps using design software and toward the latter end of a design process, whereas lowercase s sketch was considered low fidelity and earlier on in the design process. The same with the word prototype. Some people perceive prototypes as smoke and mirrors, whereas others assume it's the working parts and only a few things need to be buttoned up to ship. Solution. Make a team dictionary. Create a culture in which it's a priority to ask questions. Anytime anyone is unaware of what something means, define it in the team dictionary. This dictionary can provide good onboarding material for newer members and last many years. Solution. Use the same names for project artifacts. Another solution is to start aligning the name of artifacts across disciplines. Often designers call something one thing and devs another. For example, widget, modal, iframe, panel, or edit details pane could all refer to the same thing. If artifacts need different names due to underlying scope implications, then just be sure to discuss that explicitly. My team owns a library of UI components. A while back, the name of some of the components in design libraries differed from the coded counterparts. So we'd run into discrepancies such as accordion versus expand collapse or dialogue versus modal. 
Naming differences exacerbate already poor communication between designers and devs. As part of our latest product, we worked hard to align everything possible, leading to better communication in and outside our team. Issue five, teams lack a shared vision. Observation, teams lack a North Star. I often ask people, what is your North Star? Which most people can't answer. Even if there's a plan, it's likely to be a long feature list. Not having a North Star leaves a black hole for excitement and inspiration. Solution, design a North Star for inspiration and planning. The first step, if applicable, is to shape your work into a product. Before our latest instantiation of our design system, we treated our design system as a collection of UI infrastructures such as water or electricity. Of course, nobody gets excited about water or electricity unless it's gone. But people do get excited about iOS releases or a new Tesla model. The next step is to define your North Star. There are many ways you could do this, but a good approach could be to have a human-centered design session to flesh out high-level concepts. You can leave the vision as text, but it's much more inspiring to design some flashy mock-ups. From there, product owners know how to slice up the end state to get it into the work queue. I have an example in the article of a cyber truck. Pretty simple, but you look at it like, wow, that's awesome. If you're in the office, sacrifice a few trees on the plotter printer and put the designs on the wall. Designing a North Star isn't a one-and-done deal. Instead, it's a good idea to do this one to four times a year as inspiration strikes. Solution. Use your North Star to sell ideas. I've been a designer for several multi-million dollar investments that started this way. One was for an app that consolidated property adjusters disconnected workflow into a single app that rolled out to the enterprise. The most significant design was the catalyst for the overhauling of our entire front-end stack. Marketing was done via smoke and mirror hack prototypes, UI mockups, and quick marketing videos for conciseness, portability, and to prevent in-meeting prototype hiccups. We had an antiquated front-end stack when most of the industry had moved on. When pitching to the business, we purposely conflated sexy, responsive design with the presentation stack because the business could technically get what they wanted with the old stack. It felt a little dirty and manipulative, but we knew it was the right long-term move to avoid technical debt provide faster time to market, and attract and retain top talent. The same architect who taught me the even over trick showed me that intrapreneur trick. As an aside, a colleague of mine and I would take screenshots of our prototype at four sizes and put them into a sketch template with an iPhone, iPad, iMac, and MacBook Pro in a single view. These great looking one slide pictures were perfect for concisely sharing our vision, but were very time consuming to create. As a result, I made a tool called Respond which injects a web page into these devices for easy screenshots. In the article, there's a link to the GitHub project. Solution, let your North Star shine for clear communication and to spark cross-team ideas and collaboration. The last part is to radiate your vision and roadmap with other teams. If you physically go to work, print out the North Star and roadmap and put it where people can see it. We did this for many projects pre-COVID. I still remember feeling proud when people stopped to look at posters for the iOS, iPad, and Android apps. Another way to radiate is through partner demos. Our team invites anyone in our org to see what we've made each sprint. Demos are a great forum to share your roadmap. Issue six, the organization lacks a shared understanding of what's happening. Observation, people don't know what projects the company's working on or where to find that information. Even if the CEO shares an inspirational message about where the company is headed, people often have yet to learn what projects support their vision, where the resources are, or have any status. The same goes for more routine, mundane, day-to-day -day operations. Observation. Online resources for business, design, and dev are all over the place. 
Teams have wikis, websites, code bases, Envision projects, mural boards, Figma prototypes, etc. Many don't even know these exist or how to find them or even have access. It may be hard enough to know what's going on in your org, let alone other orgs like marketing or innovation. The issue could exist in financial services, health, research, or the government. Solution. Create a company-wide site to house projects. An idea is to create a company-wide project index called, say, index or whatever, which the entire company would use to store information for every project. In the article, there's an example of Musk Enterprises with different company status, department filtering and whatnot. It's worth checking out. Index would be purposefully simple and include only critical information, such as product slash project name, description, marketing, prototype, screenshots, teammates, success criteria, business area, resource links, projected slash actual timeline, projected slash actual cost, hypothesized slash realized benefits. How people think and approach work can be influenced by being purposeful about the type of information. For example, I put success criteria, hypothesize, and realize benefits. Filling this out enables a great deal of transparency and accountability. The tool can filter, preventing a firehose blast of information. For instance, I probably don't care too much about what the marketing department is doing or projects from, say, 10 years ago. Still, I would love to be nosy about what my design and innovation colleagues are doing. Issue 7. The team structure isn't well-defined. Observation. People aren't sure who all their teammates are and what they're supposed to deliver. Not knowing who teammates are may seem absurd to some, but I've had several experiences recently where this was the case, such as a designer not knowing who their developers are. I attribute this to missing jobs, organizational structure shifts, and attrition. I'd venture to say it's not unheard of with today's fluctuating tech market. Team structure can be fuzzy tribal knowledge with one-off Slack messages as a means of figuring it out. Many teams operate from a collection of GitHub, GitLab links, Rally Jira boards, Envision prototype indexes, mural boards, and more. But no hub ties these things together. So even if you know how to navigate your team sites, how would someone new or external know how to find those resources or who to contact? Solution. Create a project team site to track roles, responsibilities, and artifacts. I almost didn't write a section about building a team site because it may seem so rudimentary. But hear me out. There are many feature-rich software solutions out there for project management that can accomplish what I'm suggesting. However, they're just too complicated with extra UI elements and irrelevant sections. In addition, many don't know how to use the software without training. Did you take training for Google, Twitter, Facebook? Those apps are purposefully limited in scope, and that's exactly what I'm suggesting here. It's a screenshot in the article. Ideally, this would be a pre-existing software solution tied to the index idea. At first pass, the team page may be made on a wiki or something similar. Include the project manager, product owner, business stakeholder, designers, tech lead, front-end devs, back-end devs, etc. You can have fun with it. Add people's photos, contact info, and strengths finder data. For each project, list the high-level artifacts needed to release. The project site doesn't need to replace project management or related software. Instead, it's a quick high-level dashboard for understanding team roles and responsibilities. For instance, links to business requirements, UI design, front-end code, back-end code, legal approval, and more can all be included. Put which teammate will be responsible for each artifact. Explicitly listing artifacts and responsibilities will easily illustrate where artifact gaps exist or people are over slash underutilized. Add the team priorities for transparency in and outside the team. 
This could help set expectations for the project's emphasis, such as innovation, legal enhancements, feature supplements, or defect management. Putting team structure and projects on digital paper makes things crystal clear for those in and outside the project and will effectively communicate what's happening and who to contact. It's a low-cost exercise that will pay off quickly by providing any teammate lightning-fast access to all the project artifacts. Project sites can also spark cross-team connections, leading to consistent approaches and decreased work. Issue 8. Teams aren't using the right tools and processes. Observation. People are creating unnecessary and sometimes counterproductive artifacts. I've seen some pretty serious inefficiencies over the years. For example, one time I saw a designer manually putting pixel values on everything on the page for the developer. The developer then used stock infrastructure and overrode pixels here and there throughout the app to get the page, quote, just right. I've seen designers comp out every single scenario and spend hours upon hours reworking when business requirements change. I've seen developers code 40 different pages of repeated manual code on every single one. Repeating code in this manner is like moving Legos from the living room to the den one Lego at a time versus putting them in a box and moving them once. I've seen developers work on the last page of a flow and spend five minutes going through it every time they hit save because the app refreshed. I've seen front-end developers copy code out of Figma and code components manually instead of using enterprise UI infrastructure. Observation. Deliverables are handed off in a waterfall-like fashion. The biggest sin I've seen over and over is handoff. Design gets requirements from the business, finishes pretty comps, and hands them out to be coded. Solution. Create a continuous working relationship with decreased UI artifacts. The first step is to ensure the right project team composition and product vision, as mentioned earlier. Everyone on the team should be involved in every step of the product evolution. What a teammate's job entails will depend on the time span. For example, one to five years out. Design, ideate with blue sky ideas. Dev, provide high level estimates. Business, convey funding appetite. Three to six months out. Design, create content and wireframes. Dev, provide estimates, identify roadblocks, and offer alternative solutions. Business, prove estimates. Integration time. Design, work with devs to prototype pages in a paired programming fashion and sign off on code when ready. Dev, take prototype code and integrate it into the actual code base. Business, approve coded solutions. This high-level involvement overview is not meant to be canonical or perfect, just to rather illustrate the idea. Solution, get rid of UI mockups, mostly. Do you notice anything missing from the working relationship timeline? User interface mockups. No Sketch, Figma, Photoshop, Fireworks, Illustrator, Paint, you name it. Simply combine high-level wireframes with a business requirement spreadsheet. Wait, should you ever use high-fidelity UI comps? Yes, of course. There's a time and place for most tools. In my opinion, Figma or the like is best in the following situations. A component doesn't exist and needs to be coded for the first time, or it's faster to use Figma or another tool than code. So how will the devs know what to make without high fidelity specs? Some key elements may help pull this off. One, a design language system. Two, sample UI patterns and applications. Three, online prototyping tooling. Four, cross-discipline training. Five, open lines of communication. Six, stakeholder involvement in the software integration process. A buddy of mine peer reviewed this writing and commented, when I started reading this, I thought I might be included in the audience, but now, in this section, as I read the next six solutions, it's clear, I am not. My buddy's critique is spot on, 
and I failed to consider the perspective of those who cannot directly contribute to these solutions. I've been obsessed with solving interdisciplinary issues and have positioned myself on a team that can help solve them by providing tangible solutions. But if you're not in a position to directly provide solutions, find partners that can. Then bring this up to management to help get funding and support by quantitatively articulating any solutions value in terms of time and money saved. That's a bit of a punt, but that's what I've got. A final thought before getting into the specific ways to support getting rid of comps. It's important to note that these are just ideas and it's best to think about what works best for your team. For instance, a designer may be ridiculously fast in Figma and want nothing to do with code. Or the team may have a savvy front-end guy who doesn't want the fun part of the code taken away. Solution. Use a design language system. As mentioned earlier, a design language system is a collection of user interface components that designers and developers across the enterprise use to create experiences versus manually reinventing the wheel in isolation. Utilizing a design system leads to robust, accessible, tested, and consistent solutions, saving time and money. Of course, I'm biased and think a DLS is great, but challenges can exist for project teams if there are defects, missing features, missing components, or the business just doesn't like the system and wants something else. Many think of a design system as a collection of UI components such as buttons, tabs, and form inputs, but it is actually, or at least should be, a Lego person's hair to their entire city and everything in between. There are more specific ways to describe small to large pieces of a design system, but for the sake of simplicity and staying on topic, here are some basic zoom levels. A text input, that's a component. A headline, collection of form inputs, and a submit button, it's a pattern. An entire end-to-end flow, it's an experience. When creating something like a form, there are many micro decisions to make, such as what headline size to use with form inputs and how and where error messages show up and how much vertical space to use between components and how to rearrange components at larger screen sizes to best utilize horizontal space. In addition, people often don't see or consider many hidden aspects, such as how to plumb up data, error handling, and accessibility properties for users with visual impairments utilizing screen readers. Patterns in design and code tooling provide the ability to pre-populate a good chunk of a screen with a single click. From there, it's a matter of changing out text and adding or removing components as needed. This allows designers and devs to focus on higher level user experience considerations versus getting stuck inventing the wheel. Experiences provide the ability to show how patterns and pages go from the very beginning to end. An example is learning about a credit card product, filling out the form to open the account, and then seeing the account summary screen when the account is open. End-to-end experience examples illustrate how things like page transitions are intended to work and what patterns are appropriate on each type of page. Solution, create an online prototyping tool. One of the most powerful things we've adopted is an industry tool called Playroom. Standardized pages are created in several clicks by accessing component and pattern snippets. The rendered code is shown in preview panes at various screen sizes above the editor. Whether or not you utilize Playroom, I think there are now more robust and maintained ones, or some other online tool, the concept remains. Figure out a way to get UI components and patterns in an online editor with zero code setup and an easy to use interface. People have been giddy about using Playroom and are amazed at how fast our team can answer their questions in our support channel. We respond with production grade code that can be copied and pasted into their applications. Online prototype tooling is a great learning opportunity and results in helpful code versus throwaway mockups. 
Our team receives innumerable Slack messages, wow emojis, thank yous, meeting callouts, and the Playroom site receives thousands of monthly hits. Solution, provide robust cross-discipline training. Just like I had mentioned the importance of definition defining and alignment, another essential opportunity is to get designers and devs to level up a bit on each side. I love the concept of React, it's a code framework for rendering a user interface, or any other similar framework because it's abstract and more declarative. Want a text input? I have a code example here, it's text input, some funky characters around it. Syntax may look intimidating to non-coders, but it's not hard to look at and figure out what's going on. I made a crash course for designers containing the absolute minimum knowledge needed to understand our React components, the design system features, and how to use Playroom. Developers don't need to be designers and vice versa. The amount of training on each side should take a few hours and will pay great dividends with increased communication and understanding. Solution, open lines of communication between design, dev, and business. The entire product team should be on Slack, Teams, or any other online social forum to communicate constantly. People who don't want to see too many messages can mute the channel. Handles like at space food devs or at space food designers can be made so specific craft-related groups can be notified in the channel when a message is relevant for them despite being on mute. Solution. Invite stakeholders in the software integration process. Be sure that all stakeholders have access to the code repository. Hopefully a demo link is available for feature branches as part of the CICD, Continuous Integration, Continuous Delivery, pipeline. For those unfamiliar, when code is checked in from a developer's machine to a remote code repository, processes can run to build and deploy code. When a request to merge code into the mainline opens up, means move code from the dev's working branch to the staging or production code base, Developers should put the scope of work in there, such as update content for entire flow or redesign confirmation page. Merge request summaries help prevent scope creep and irrelevant banter. Various stakeholders should approve the code depending on the type of update. An example on my team is that someone on the accessibility team must sign off on any new component. For anything else that doesn't affect accessibility, they don't need to be bothered. Instead of designers seeing demos for the first time on merge requests, it's better to have pair design slash dev creation sessions for faster turnaround. This also prevents the need to add comments in GitHub GitLab. Issue nine, teams aren't given the space to innovate. As a quick tangent, I think the word innovation is overused and generally refers to incremental improvements. Innovation is going from a horse to a car or iPod plus phone plus internet to the iPhone. An incremental improvement is a verified status on Twitter or the ability to edit your iMessage. Okay, that aside, I think innovation is still helpful because it's more uplifting and motivating than incremental improvement. What if your boss said, hey everyone, next sprint is incremental improvement sprint. Get ready. That just doesn't have the same ring to it. Observation. Innovation time isn't a priority. When I worked in the application development area, a few uprisings of innovation sprint occurred. Still, they inevitably faded in favor of new apps, adding features, or fixing production outages. Some companies give their teams time to do whatever they want as long as it helps the business in some meaningful way, while others don't support innovation time at all. Solution, make innovation time a priority. My product owner prioritizes an innovation sprint each quarter, effectively eight weeks of do whatever you want per year. I can't overemphasize how important this is. One. Open innovation signals to employees that they are trusted to make sound decisions and stay on task. Two, it brings forth ideas the product owner may have never considered. 
Three, people are freed from mundane day-to-day tasks and get to work on something fun and inspiring. For example, our Playroom online prototyping tool with production-grade code was done in an innovation sprint and has been one of the most successful tools our team and others utilize. Even if the output from the innovation sprint isn't earth-shattering, it generally results in quality of life updates like Figma symbol enhancements or code template creation, which ultimately has a compound effect in the future due to the efficiency boosts. Of course, there will be people who abuse time and there will be unviable ideas, but even if there are only a few gems, morale increases leading to higher motivation for typical day-to-day work. It's like going on vacation to recharge your batteries. It's the roots stretching out to find pockets of fresh soil or the branches reaching out to provide the leaves valuable sunlight outside the canopy, or it's grafting and splicing to make a new species with even more delicious fruit. Recap. Get the team composition in the Goldilocks zone with the right type and number of people. The right composition will enable optimal efficiency, faster time to market, and happier employees. Create a collectively agreed upon ordered list of values and priorities for decision making. Create the list taking into account personal, craft organizational, and business goals. This list will help level set expectations and make for more confident decision making. Create a project team dictionary to alleviate miscommunication. In addition, align artifact names across disciplines for more precise and effective discussions. Focus on human connectedness, but don't overdo it. Accomplish this by integrating small bits into existing rituals and optional larger team building events. A tight-knit team will help interpersonal communication and provide a sense of value and belonging. Design a North Star for inspiration, planning, communication, and internal marketing. A North Star will help ensure team and organizational members are informed and use the same instruction manual. Consider creating a simple website that combines company initiatives with team makeup and priorities. This tool should never be more complicated than projects and teams, except perhaps a back-end dashboard, just like social media or Google search. This site will enhance team and company-wide communication for understanding vision, success metrics, and tangible deliverables. Create a working relationship between developers and designers. Discuss what artifacts are needed at each phase of the project lifecycle. Work together to increase communication and eliminate unnecessary artifacts. Create enablers to reduce artifacts. Enablers can include a design language system, sample UI patterns and apps, online prototyping, cross-discipline training, open lines of communication, and stakeholder involvement in the project lifecycle. Create space for innovation. Providing time for employees to innovate will, at best, provide actual innovations, and at the norm, incremental quality of life improvements. Allowing open innovation time shows trust in employees, which can boost morale. Freedom to explore will also refresh employees and give them the energy to accomplish more mundane work. Conclusion There is no one-size-fits-all solution for solving team issues. The ideas outlined in this article may or may not work for you, but the higher-level points remain. The roots branches, and leaves all need each other to survive. Therefore, it's in everyone's best interest to make all team parts as functional and healthy as possible, not ignore problems or undermine others to win an outcome. It is incumbent upon you, intern to CEO, to speak up when team composition, tools, and processes seem less than optimal. You don't need all the answers, but it is essential to see if you can get a manager, producer, product owner, anyone really, to help get the team together and figure out what's needed and continuously change for the better. This continuous introspective process is 
the destination. What works for you today may not work for you tomorrow, and that's okay. So stay agile, commit to continuous evolution, and be the admired centerpiece of the forest bearing sweet fruit for all. Epilogue. The main content's over, so feel free to jump. But you're more than welcome to stay aboard for the bumpy plane landing. You stuck around. Glad you could hang out. Alright, closing the loop on project management. It was hard to give a brief overview of various project methodologies without indulging a huge tangent and making the article completely off topic. Now, I'm not an expert in project management, so take what I'm saying here with a grain of salt. I believe there's a good time and place for each project management technique, so here's a brief recap of each project management methodology along with where I've seen it work. Seat of the pants. Do whatever, whenever, without formal management. Lack of detailed management is good for highly organized managers and employees with specific tasks and low team dependencies. I've worked on innovation projects, presentations, and exploratory work that were largely autonomous in nature. While I bounced ideas off people and had reviewers, a project team was not dependent on my work, and project management would have been unnecessary overhead. Waterfall. Work in a predictable, linear fashion over a longer timeline. It may be appropriate to spend more time fleshing out requirements versus building the car while driving for things like a large mortgage or health system. Agile. Work in predictable two-week sprints. Agile is practical when a project foundation exists or if there's a clear roadmap with specific requirements and work is sliced into reasonable, manageable chunks. In my experience, this is the majority of how project teams operate, such as a team adding features to an account summary page. Wagile. They're hybrid operating models that take the best of waterfall and agile, such as Wagile. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in this, but conceptually it seems like a good idea to meet in the middle where appropriate to balance solid requirements with failing fast and predictable iterative output. Kanban. Pull work off a queue when ready. This is suitable for small feature slash defect management queues. Waterfall versus Agile. The most relevant point of expansion to help land the plane is a comparison between Waterfall and Agile and some of the side effects of Agile. Steven, my esteemed mentor slash UI producer from years ago, was excellent at cross-discipline facilitation and made UX plus business plus dev work well in both Waterfall and Agile. In fact, many of the ideas outlined here result from his knowledge seeds in my brain. Waterfall has the benefit of solid requirements. For instance, when I worked on a mortgage system, we worked with analysts, developers, business, and designed to flesh out requirements into an Excel doc with specific requirement IDs. Requirements make it clear whether or not the user experience is accomplishing what it should. However, technical limitations or requirements gaps can be found later in the project, which may put a kink in things. For example, if you found a piece of data was missing on page 28 that had other dependencies, including state-specific regulatory inputs, that could turn the whole app upside down. Finding critical gaps late in the game in Waterfall is tantamount to constructing the 28th floor of a skyscraper, only to find out the foundation needs to be redone. Agile is great for more quickly identifying gaps by hitting the ground running. Typically, some minimum viable product MVP gets shipped out the door ASAP with features added iteratively over time. 
As a result, artifacts are reduced and the time to market is much faster. One issue I've seen with Agile is that with reduced artifacts, undocumented code may be the only canonical source of truth for business requirements. The problem is that the designers often don't have a healthy working relationship with the devs and they speak different languages. Poor requirements understanding results in designers making decisions with business, handing them off to devs, and not realizing the implications of their decisions. Designers ask for something they see as small, devs see as huge, and neither understands why. The other critical flaw I've sometimes seen with Agile is that it can lead to poor architecture resulting in a spaghetti mess of code. It is tantamount to building a kitchen, a bedroom, and subsequent rooms without starting with the house's overall design. While there are highly functional and successful teams, I've seen many working relationships go south over the years. My suspicion for the teams that tanked is a combination of COVID, remote work, attrition, and management structure. My company went from embedded design plus dev reporting teams to a centralized design organization with the craft team model where designers are virtually on a project but not in the management reporting structure. While each approach has pros and cons, I noticed a tremendous communication breakdown when the design org stood up. Now, I'm not suggesting we go back to the good old days, but some eggs got dropped in transport. The ideas in this article attempt to alleviate process-slash-relationship breakdowns, including the inherent unwanted side effects of the Agile project methodology. Wow, that was a giant squirrel. Thanks for entertaining the tangent. A bit about me. I've been a designer and front-end developer for over 20 years. I've done back-end work and was a tech lead while working in the application development space. On the design language system team within the design organization, I've worked on visioning, prototyping, internal marketing, architecture, infrastructure code, community support, training, application development, team augmentation, and cross-team relationship building. My internal passion project is leading the front-end development community. About this article, I've had the idea of writing articles with the associated podcast in my head for a long time and didn't expect the first one to be about relationship slash process stuff. However, I was matrixed into the application space recently and saw some of the same cross-discipline issues from when I worked in the application development area many years ago. In addition, I'm about to start a new chapter in my career after nearly 16 years in the financial services industry. I wanted to offload what I know during the transition in the hope that it's helpful to others. Cross-discipline team navigation is critical for a happy work environment. Hence, team stuff for episode one. Writing this article took a lot more time to put together than I expected. I was initially going to turn on the mic, do an off-the-cuff recording, and call it a day. But the cross-discipline team topic in particular is so difficult to talk about without going down rabbit holes that I decided to write it out to make it coherent as to not waste people's time. I plan on making the future episodes more succinct and narrow in scope. Some topics include lessons learned from building a design system from scratch, twice, approaches for effective mentorship and leadership, unorthodox thoughts about how to approach design, how to approach a career in front of development, how to navigate being a designer and developer at the same time, applying UX principles to code, etc. Thank you. I'd like to thank my buddy Carl. He's a good friend that tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. He outlines some critical flaws and oversights in this writing, and it is much improved as a result. Thanks for your time.